Brace yourselves, winter is coming. But Jon Snow gonna get a cold this year because he listens to the Organic Life podcast. See what I did there, Jon Snow gonna get a cold this year. Jon Snow. Organic Life is a podcast for those interested in eating and living in a healthier, more sustainable way. On this episode, we're joined once again by Rosie of Meadowsweet Organics, because aside from being an organic farmer, Rosie is also a practicing herbalist. We're going to find out a bit more about what that actually means and how it can potentially aid us as we head into these colder, darker months. Before we dive in though, I just wanted to let you know that Organic Life is brought to you by thepodcasthost.com. You can make a podcast about literally anything you like, and if you do a decent job, people will actually listen to it. So whether you'd like to make a health podcast like this one, or maybe a less healthy one about your love for deep fried Mars bars, then we've got just the thing for you. If you head over to thepodcasthost.com slash organic, you'll find a free step-by-step guide that will walk you through the entire process from planning to publishing. That's thepodcasthost.com, all one word, slash organic. And I'll pop a link for you in the show notes too. Right then, let's get on with the episode and hear from Rosie of House Meadowsweet. So the the conversation today, we're getting to that time of year now, uh, time of recording it is uh, late September and you know traditionally we'll associate winter with things like well illnesses, colds, coughs, um, that sort of thing and you're in a quite a unique position because as well as you've got the organic farm here but you also, I mean, what what is your actual title? Is it herbalist? I've heard um, herbal apothecary, which sounds like something out Skyrim. So <laughs> it sounds very exciting. Could you tell us a bit more about that and how you got into it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I am a qualified herbalist, uh, which means that I spent four years tra- um, training. Uh, during that four years, I did 600 hours working in a clinic, working with clients. Um, and then I also did a lot of just a full-time study which encompassed everything from botany, the herbs themselves, anatomy, physiology, pharmacology. Um, So it's quite a big field of study, um, but I absolutely loved every minute of it. And I qualified in 2017. And during the time that I was actually studying, I ended up starting Meadowsweet Organics, the farm. Um, So the last two years, it's been really nice to have the opportunity to be running the organic farm and also working as a herbalist. Um, and having those two parts of my life that I'm really passionate about and also being able to fuse them together and I've actually, I grow most of my own herbs here on the farm which I then make into tinctures or dry and that becomes the herbal medicines that I prescribe to my clients. So yeah, going into... So again, before I, before I jump to that, thinking of like you're literally growing your own medicines then... Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's a really unique position, isn't it? Is that is that uncommon in your experience? Um, yeah, I don't know of a huge amount of people who are doing something similar to what I'm doing. Um, 
but also just to say as well, you know, it's it's really privileged to be able to grow your own herbs, but as well, there's so much that you can forage and collect yourself. So, you know, even if you don't have a garden, then you still have access to a huge amount of wild plants that you can learn to collect yourself. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I do throughout the year is I run um, a series of workshops called Seasonal Herbalism, and there's spring, summer, autumn and winter. And um, during that workshop, I teach people how to collect their own herbs and use them to make herbal remedies mm-hmm. for their health. So, yeah. I guess, like, um, doing this series so far, and I, I feel like I've learned a lot, and I suppose, you know, we're going to talk about kind of how to stay healthy throughout the winter and then talk a, a bit about the, the sort of curative aspect. So you get something wrong, what can you do to alleviate it slightly? And one of the things that, I seem to have picked up so far on this series is that it's this idea of like whole body health so like back in the day I would just think you know I've got um, a sore I've always got a sore stomach you know and I'd think I need to see somebody who specialises in stomachs to fix that and it, it, it seems to be the case that that you know it's more a whole body thing so you've got a problem somewhere it's not it's maybe manifesting there but it's it's generally like you know a whole body thing so like you work on your immune system it's a it's a whole system it's not just working on an immune system for your lungs or that so um i don't know where i'm going with this i'm just i'm just trying to preload it with just i suppose like when you're going into winter you're trying to develop your immune system are you doing a lot differently going into the winter than you would any other time of the year um, not necessarily. I think you're really right with what you just said because, yeah, so herbal medicine is a form of holistic healthcare. It's about looking at, um, at somebody as a whole person, all the different aspects of them, and everything is interlinked. And in terms of colds and flus, then it's interesting because there was these two uh, figures in history. Um, there was Louis Pasteur, who you've probably heard of, and he created the germ theory. And he had the idea that when um, that you get ill because of germs in the environment and they invade your body and make you ill. But there was this other figure who was around about the same time. Um, I can't remember his first name, but he was Béchamp, was his last name. And he believed that it wasn't the germs that made you ill, but it was the terrain within your body. So the idea that if you had a strong immune system and you looked after your body and your system well then you would be unlikely to get ill. And I think that demonstrates really well, you know, why it's worth looking after your whole health and keeping yourself in balance. And as a result, you will be less likely to to get colds and things like that. With it, like you mentioned, the cold there, uh, is it one of these similar things like we talked in previous episodes about fat, like, and th- th- that whole thing about like eat- eating fat and getting fat are different things. The cold, um, you know, when you're wee and it's like, put a jersey on, you'll get the cold. Does being cold give you the cold? Like, what what is the cold? Mm, yeah, that's a really interesting question, actually. <laughs> um, I think it goes comes back again to what I was just saying if your if your body and your immune system are more vulnerable there are certain things that will sort of catch you off guard and make you more vulnerable to to catching viruses and bugs and the cold could be one of them mm-hmm. you know if you're um yeah if you're outside or the weather's changing and you get a chill 
then that is using more of your body's energy, which means your body is less able to protect itself. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I suppose like in the modern environment, like if you if you look at us maybe th- thousands of years ago and when it got cold, our bodies would, would learn to... to think you know it's getting cold now i need to fix this i need to sort this out nowadays you just put the heating on you're i don't know do people maybe just not train themselves to be able to handle the more extreme conditions and that's maybe why we leave the back door open to to these viruses and and colds and ailments yeah yeah because i think there are a lot of other factors involved in that situation apart from just the cold because for example one of the things that i recommend a lot um, as a herbalist and naturopath is actually um, hydrotherapy. So that's this the idea that well, the easiest way to do this is you have a shower, like, like a normal shower, and at the very end, then you change it between the hot and the cold setting. Mm-hmm. And doing that, you know, it makes all the heat and energy go into the center of your body, and then it bursts out to the peripheries. And using the cold in that way is actually really strengthening to your system. Mm-hmm. And it's the same, you know, if you go swimming in the sea, um, and it's absolutely freezing, especially in Scotland, but it's such a good medicine for your body and it really strengthens it. Mm-hmm. So the cold can also be a beneficial thing if it's used in the right way and if you're a strong and healthy person. Yeah. So if you're, if you're, is that one thing the listener could, could adopt straight away? So what's it? You, you have your shower as normal yeah. and then... And then you have to be brave and you change it between the hot and the cold setting just for you know a few seconds and then you can gradually build that up mm-hmm. um, as you get used to it. It's a really good way to strengthen your body for yeah. the winter. You know, and it's you could even do the same thing if you went to a sauna in the swimming pool. Mm-hmm. You could have your sauna and then they usually have a nice cold shower as well yeah. or a plunge pool. Yeah. And that's maybe a more luxurious way. talking about uh, and I think we had this conversation ourselves the, the, the seasonal eating aspect and the fact that you're hundreds of thousands of years of evolution you, you're eating different things at different times of year depending on what's available so what are what are good what are some good things that we can eat or take at this time of year that's going to help strengthen us for the up and coming cold period um, so you mean more in terms of foods than herbs well, either or, either or, I guess, yeah. Okay, well, let's do foods first. Right. <laughs> I think um, I think naturally this time of year we lean more towards kind of warming and nourishing foods, like soups and stews. And yeah, the more seasonal veg that you can integrate into that, the better. Um, so things like uh, squash and parsnips, um, you know, carrots, potatoes, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um but it's also something I notice with a lot of Scottish people is that they tend in the winter to not eat a lot of fresh fruit and veg. They tend to have more cooked food. And I think it's really important to keep a balance with that as well. Um, so because we, you know, there's lots of amazing winter salads that you can make too. So you can make like a grated salad, um, you know, with things like carrot and cabbage, like a coleslaw sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But you could use lots of different, more unusual vegetables as well, like radish and kohlrabi. There's loads of stuff you can grate up. And actually, that's really interesting. Radish are amazing for your immune system. Any food that has that kind of spicy taste to it, mm-hmm. um, like in, you get in mixed salad bags and things like that, um, that spiciness is something that stimulates you and helps to protect your immune system. So yeah, maybe radish would be top winter food. So that's kind of some of the, the foods you can incorporate. What about um, 
herbs or maybe supplements and things like that. Yeah. Um, so in terms of herbs, now is a really good time of year to be doing this podcast. So you should get it out quite soon um, because there are loads of things you can go and collect yourself that are really nourishing and strengthening. So the first one would be elderberries. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's from the common elder tree and um, they're, it's a good year for them and they're out at the moment so you can collect the elderberries and you can make like an elderberry syrup um, you can make tea from it you can make a tincture which is if you preserve them in alcohol um, and there's also brambles like blackberries out at the moment um, which are also also really good really nourishing and lots of vitamin c so that's some of the stuff that we can go out and sort of forage for. What about maybe some of the less uh, available um, herbs out there, the stuff that you maybe have to buy or, or you know, go online and look up? Is there any anything yeah. on that front? Well, probably the main one there would be your echinacea. And echinacea is a plant that's native to North America, but you can actually grow it in Scotland. So I'm growing a lot here in the herb fields and I make my own um, my own tincture and I dry echinacea as well. Um, but that's really good because it helps to stimulate the immune system and it also helps the body to eliminate uh, toxins. So it's, if you get any kind of a virus, then it's got that multi-action. It's really good for that. And that's something that you could buy in, um, in chemists even these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Layman's question, what's a tincture? So a tincture is um, herbs that are extracted in alcohol. It's right. a really simple thing. Tinctures are really easy for people to take and that's the main way that I prescribe herbs to people. It's just in a wee bottle and you can take it throughout the day, you can take it to work with you and for me as a herbalist I can blend lots of different herbs together in it. Mm -hmm. So what's it about the alcohol then that that sort of presumably it helps release certain compounds and make them available? Yeah, so the alcohol is a really good medium for going into the herb cells, opening up the cells and releasing the herbal properties and just extracting them really well. And then I think the finished product, it becomes much more medicinal than alcoholic and you take it in such a small dosage that it's not something that would affect your your driving or your ability to do anything. So... That's sort of some of the things that we could look at as we're heading into winter to maybe fortify us a wee bit. Mm. Uh, sometimes life does happen, you know. You might you might end up getting sort of run down with some sort of uh, common cold or, or different. Like one of the things I always got traditionally about November time, I got a really bad cough and I just like couldn't shift it for weeks and weeks. So, you know, if I, if I ended up in that position again, what are some of the things I might be able to do about that? Mm, for a cough? yeah. Yeah, so my favourite cough remedy that's really accessible to everybody is actually thyme. So most people grow thyme in their garden or it's usually quite um, easy to get hold of from the supermarket or something. Um, And thyme is a really excellent all-round cough remedy. Um, It's antispasmodic, so it stops that kind of spasmodic cough. And it's also got some compounds in it that are good for the immune system. It's it's antibacterial and it's antimicrobial. So it's good for getting rid of um, invaders to the system as well. Mm-hmm. That's a really great cough remedy. Yeah. What about some of the general cold remedies out there that are available? Um, I suppose your most famous one is your um, lemon, ginger and honey. That's a really great remedy. It really works. Um, the ginger is really warming. The um, honey and the lemon, antibacterial and antimicrobial, I think the really important thing to remember, though, if you do get a cold, 
is you need to, if you're taking herbal remedies, you need to take them constantly. You know, people will have one cup of tea and feel that they don't get better, you know, like the same effect as if they take a LEMSIP. Mm -hmm. Um, they kind of expect to have that result straight away. Yeah. But if you're doing it naturally, you have to keep on. You just have to fill yourself with, um, you know, lemon and ginger tea or sage and thyme tea. Just keep taking it and your echinacea, you know, take it regularly throughout the day and keep taking it until you feel completely better. You know, as soon as you, a lot of people, when they feel better, they'll stop doing something. But you really need to, to keep it going from the very beginning to the very end and be persistent with it. Mm -hmm. And that makes the herbs a lot more effective. If somebody is in the unfortunate position of just ending up, you know, completely floored with the flu, not the not the man flu, but the actual flu, where you're just like can't even get out of bed, what are some of the the things that they could do just to to feel a wee bit better and feel like they're making a bit of progress towards getting better? Yeah, I think the main things is you just really have to look after yourself. If you get ill, you can't expect to just be able to do all the things you usually do. You have to make time, you know, you have to rest. That's so important. You have to drink lots of water because your body will need a lot more water than usual. You have to drink all your um, toolkit of herbal teas as much as you can. And, um, and as well, look at your diet. So um, sugar is a really key one. If you get ill, I would really recommend removing sugar and dairy because um, sugar actually affects the immune system a lot and it could stop it from being so effective. And dairy, dairy really affects the respiratory system and the sinuses, and um, those, are the, those are two of the things that are really good to just remove for a bit until you feel better again. Mm -hmm. But resting is so important. Is it the same across the board? Like, say, I know um, a few people that suffer from likes of asthma, uh, if they get colds, it tends to be a lot worse, you know, there's flus and stuff like that, but... Is it just generally, you know, the, these herbs are, are sort of what you would use or are there different things for those more extreme cases? Like, what's the deal there? Um, I think there's some general remedies that everybody can use. So my kind of toolkit would be, yeah, your echinacea, elderberry. They're really great for supporting the immune system. Um, sage and thyme, also really, really good. And lemon ginger and honey and actually rose hips or something else I didn't mention yet that's something else you can forage and they're really high in vitamin C and that's something that was used in the war um, they were people collected the rose hips and made rose hip syrup and that was distributed so people could get um, vitamin C and it helped them with um, fighting off colds and things as well that's a really good um, group of herbs to be using um, for anybody but then it also most people will find that if they have a cold, it will hit them in a particular place. You know, we've all got parts of our system that need more support than others. So you said about asthma. Um, somebody like that would need more lung-supportive herbs. And if I was working individually as a, as a herbalist, then I would be making them an individual formula that would have more herbs to support that part of them and those symptoms. What are some of the... Uh, do you get, like, a, a, a lung-targeting herb, or is it not quite that specific? Um, well, there's lots, yeah. There's a, there's a huge range of different herbs that are really excellent for helping the lungs and the respiratory system, depending on what specific symptoms that you have. So to name a few, um, marshmallow, not the marshmallow sweeties, <laughs> but um, marshmallow roots and leaf, the, the plant. It's really great all-round lung remedy. Um, elecampane is another one 
and that's one that I use a lot. And um, yeah, you're a sage in time, really simple but strong remedies. Something that I start seeing a lot of people about this time of the year is um, actually about uh, winter mental health. Mm. And I think that's a big issue in Scotland, actually, is people just get that feeling, you know, we're just coming to autumn a few days ago and you just remember how dark the winters can get. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you know, lots of cold, dark nights alone in your house or, you know, not being so sociable as you normally would be. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important issue. There's lots of really great herbs that you can use to support your nervous system um, and your, your mental health throughout the winter. Yeah. Uh, and again, I suppose, in, particularly in a country like Scotland, where, you know, the, the, we don't really see the sun um, for months, uh, like things like vitamin D, presumably, we're, we're already maybe a bit deficient in that. That's going to really plummet in the in the, the winter and then that's going to affect serotonin levels isn't it so um yeah th- i mean what what sort of steps can people take in the, the winter to to make sure that they're sort of feeling as as well as possible that way mm. um well yeah what you just said taking a vitamin d supplement can be really helpful and just taking the opportunities to to go outside Mm-hmm. You know, we're not really, we weren't originally designed to sit in offices all day, you know, to go to work when it's dark and then come out again when it's dark. Mm-hmm. So if you have a lunch break, try and just go out into the park and have a walk around. That can be a really good therapy. And um, yeah, on you know, at the weekends, making sure you get out and about and as well, making sure you've got some good social opportunities. Um, it's really interesting in Scotland because the Cayley season actually starts just as we're coming into the winter. Mm. So, you know, having times where you're able to go out and socialise and see people. And it's a bit of exercise too. You're doing the gay gardens. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, Cayley dancing. Some of the... some of the sort of herbs or supplements that I've heard of in the past that, that might be quite good, and you, you'll know a lot more about this than I do, but um, one of them was ashwagandha. Um, do you, is that something you know much about at all? Yeah, so ashwagandha is a herb that's from an Indian herbal tradition, but it's a herb which is an adaptogen. So adaptogens are a group of herbs that are becoming really popular because what they do is they help um, they help us with energy, really help us to adapt to stress on a mental and physical level and that's something that people really seem to need a lot um, this day and age and uh, ashwagandha has become quite a well-known one Mm -hmm. yeah other one i think i maybe saw on your your instagram uh, is it tulsi or holy basil is that the same thing and is that how you say it tulsi 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 yeah, so that's a plant that I use a huge amount of. That's my favourite herbal tea. I use that every single day and I've been able to grow it here in our polytunnel um, this summer. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I prescribe a lot and that's also an adaptogenic herb. So it also helps with energy. It also helps with mental health as well. It's really good for the nervous system. Mm-hmm. And that's something you could enjoy as a herbal tea. Yeah. So I'm on a roll here. I'm going to go for a third one. <laughs> okay. uh, it's like I've done my homework here. Mm-hmm. Um, a compound that I believe is found in green tea, L-theanine. I might have butchered the pronunciation mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've heard that, that if you maybe can use a bit of that and with your ashwagandha, your, your holy basil, that's mm-hmm. that's quite a good week concoction for just keeping your, your spirits lifted. Yeah, well, you're teaching me something now. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I'll edit this out. It sounds right. <laughs> 
Yeah, <laughs> I quit that always works then. Yeah. Um, no, that I can't remember how I came across that initially, but I think it was maybe when I was looking at um, ways to cut down on drinking coffee in the afternoon. I really like coffee, but you know, try and drink it before two o'clock and went down the, the Google rabbit hole looking at green teas and stuff and, and ended up, you know, seeing about L-theanine. So, um, yeah, you can get that in supplement form. It's certainly, certainly I'm not qualified to tell folk what to do, so don't take my word for it. But, you know, do a bit of Google and, and, and see what you think. Big thanks to Rosie of Meadowsweet Organics for coming on this episode of Organic Life. All links are in the show notes as ever. And remember, if you head over to thepodcasthost.com slash organic, you'll find a free step-by-step guide that'll walk you through the entire process of starting your very own podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.